Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 76 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today's episode focuses on what life can look like during pregnancy, birth, and in the postpartum period. For this conversation, I was joined by Dr. Christy Christopher Holloway. Dr. Christopher Holloway is an adjunct professor and the founder and director of New Vision Counseling Center, a group private practice in Douglasville, Georgia, that offers affordable outpatient mental health counseling. She is a licensed professional counselor in Georgia, a national certified counselor, a distance credentialed counselor, and an approved clinical supervisor. She earned her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Louisiana State University, Shreveport, her Master of Science degree from Georgia State University, and her doctoral degree in counselor education and supervision from Argosy University, Atlanta. Her research focused on the mental health help-seeking experiences of religious or spiritual African-American women diagnosed with infertility, as well as the psycho-emotional impact of infertility. Her current clinical focus involves working with minority women experiencing infertility and birth trauma, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and pregnancy and infant loss. She has worked in settings that include private practice, in-home, outpatient, and residential treatment. Dr. Christopher Holloway and I discussed the growing research around Black women's experiences giving birth, how the process of giving birth can be traumatic, postpartum depression and how it's different from the baby blues, how we can be strong advocates for ourselves in medical settings, and of course, she shared her favorite resources. Please remember to share your highlights from the episode with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Christopher Holloway. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited we were able to kind of arrange a time to chat um, because, you know, there has been so much more conversation just about the experiences of Black women getting pregnant, having babies, you know, the whole issues related to the maternal death rate um, related to Black moms. So it definitely feels like a conversation I want to make sure that we're continuing to have. And I know that this is a specialty for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So can you start off by talking a little bit about like your perception of like everything that's being shared in the news and like, and I'm sure you may have been seeing this in your practice even before it like became a news item, right? Right. Absolutely. So I think as I kind of look at it, I pay attention to it, especially with the maternal mortality rates and things like that, that's going on. Part of me gets you know, a little frustrated, like, gosh, why is this still happening? Why does this disparity still exist? What are we doing about it? What can we do about it? But then the other part of me 
feel somewhat happy that it is being shared and that it is being talked about and that, you know, light is being shed on it and that it's not a matter that's just consistently still being swept under the rug. So I feel torn sometimes in the issue, but, you know, I guess if we have to look at it in those terms, just being excited that, okay, at least now maybe this is not something that people can keep acting like doesn't exist or that can be ignored. Yeah, and I'm hoping, you know, that we will also see, you know, like some kind of task force if that hasn't already started to talk about, you know, both what practitioners could be doing more, but also how maybe we can become better advocates for ourselves. And I know that you do a lot of that with your clients, like helping them to really become advocates for their own like health and stuff. Absolutely. Definitely teaching them that their voice is super important. They don't advocate for themselves or know that it's okay to speak up that, you know, sometimes they may be in a setting where they may feel intimidated or feel like they can't speak up. And so letting them know that it's okay and that they deserve that. Yeah. And I think a part of what has scared me too, you know, just with the recent conversations, you know, we've heard about Serena, Tia Mari, Beyonce even has shared, you know, like the difficulties related to pregnancy. And you think about like with people with this level of resources still having to do so much advocating and saying, no, this is, you know, what I think is going on. You need to check me for this. And it does worry me that, you know, like, okay, if this is happening to people with this level of resources, what might be happening to people that don't have this level of resource? Absolutely. You know, the research that shows that ethnic minority women do experience higher rates of maternal mortality. And so not having those resources or not knowing what to look for or not being heard. And a lot of times, situations or things that may arise may be kind of shunned off or second guessed and maybe we're thinking oh maybe this just this is just a part of being a new mom and so it's not really looked into they're not like educated on some of the signs and symptoms and so like you're saying for someone that has such a huge platform or has access to these resources to still feel that kind of way it definitely does make you think about what may be happening to those people that may not have that access or who may be in a lower socioeconomic status situation and what it is that they're experiencing. So a lot that has come out of the research that's being conducted related to um, like the maternal death rates um, for black women is talking about like this whole weathering effect, right? That black women have just like the cumulative stress related to being a black woman in the world, how that may be something that is like contributing to the death rates. And so working with a lot of moms or, you know, soon to be moms, how do you in your work help them to kind of manage some of the stressors of just being a black woman in the country. So one of the things that I do is we talk about it. Like I give them permission in our sessions to really talk about what that looks like for them, talk about what it means to be a woman, a black woman, and then now a black woman that's about to be a mom. So giving them that permission to really just talk about all of the day-to-day things that they do and those stressors. And then from there, as we kind of get through that and talk about it and they can get it off their chest, because a lot of times we're told to like hold it in or it doesn't matter or we, you know, we shouldn't complain. It's, it's seen as complaining as opposed to talking and getting that support and that help. Or sometimes, unfortunately, they may not have the type of support system that they require or that they really need or deserve. So we get all of that out. And then from there, 
what I really do is educate my moms on what it may look like, what some maternal mental health issues may look like, how it may present, what they should be on the lookout for, and just really kind of letting them know how it may take shape or how it may take form and when they need to seek out extra support. If I'm fortunate enough to have their partner, I'll also educate the partner on this too, because sometimes we may not see it. We may be so busy in the hustle of bustle of doing all these other things that we may miss it. And so I'll try to educate the partner or family member or friend or someone like that on what to be on the lookout for as well. So can you share some of those things with us, Dr. Christopher Holloway? I mean, I know one of the big ones that everybody often hears about is postpartum depression. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about like what signs we need to be looking out for there? So first what I tell people is, you know, you're right. We do hear about postpartum depression, but a lot of times what gets left out is postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis, postpartum OCD. So a lot of those are left out. And so now women aren't sure what's going on because they've never been educated about it or told about it or that it even exists. So now they're experiencing this maybe and they don't know what it is or they're writing it off or they're thinking it's normal. So postpartum depression, though, is what is beyond just the baby blues. So a lot of times you'll hear someone talk about having the baby blues. And what that is, it lasts about two weeks post-birth. And that's kind of the sadness and things like that, maybe some crying. That's when we're having that huge hormonal shift. And so our hormones are all over the place and we're adjusting to being a new mom, adjusting to this great bundle of joy that you may have. And I'm speaking in terms of those who are able or fortunate enough to bring those babies home because I do also work with pregnancy and infant loss, which is a whole nother thing when it comes to postpartum. Postpartum depression is beyond the baby blues. So this is looking more like, okay, am I losing interest? Am I not connecting with the baby? Am I not eating? Am I getting sleep but not getting rested? You know, like, am I having a hard time with getting sleep? Am I not refreshed? And it's hard sometimes because who is refreshed when you have, (laughs) you know, a new baby and you're up throughout the night and things like that. So Postpartum depression goes way beyond just that baby blues. Sometimes what starts happening is the mom may start experiencing some suicidal thoughts, maybe not active, but just thinking, gosh, I'm not a good mom and maybe, you know, the place would be better off without me or this baby would be better off without me or I don't know what I'm doing. So I kind of educate the moms on that and what that may look like for them, especially if they've already had this prevalence of depression prior to conceiving, because sometimes that can increase the risk of experiencing postpartum depression. So I try to educate them and let them know that this is beyond sad in this moment. This is like, I'm continuously sad. I'm continuously crying. I'm continuously having thoughts that may not be healthy thoughts or that may be very maladaptive thoughts or even scary thoughts to them. And so they get afraid to even talk about it because then the next thing that happens is they're afraid that someone's going to come take the baby away or you know, remove them from the baby. And so then there's this hard time with like talking about what's going on as opposed to just sitting there and kind of grunting and dealing with it. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think we hear enough about like 
the postpartum psychosis, like all of these different things that can happen after the birth of a baby. And I feel like there is so much going on that you often don't know, right? Like even if you're somebody who's trained to know the symptoms, like there's just so much going on hormonally with your sleep, just like just a whole host of things that could kind of be contributing to you having some issues. It's important, you know, to be able to talk about that and to understand what that looks like, what that may mean, and then what the mom needs to do to get that support if she is experiencing some of that. So what I typically do is when I have new moms and they're expecting, we go over all this, I give them like a little checklist or what it looks like for them and to them for their normal, right? Because everyone's is different and then some things to look for. And so after the baby is born, I'm constantly checking in with them because postpartum can also present up to about a year or two after birth. So usually we've been told, oh, you know, six weeks, that's not postpartum. And it is, it can be. Um, So I let them know that if it's five months down the line and now you're experiencing some things that seem out of the norm for you, like let's talk about it because this may be what's going on. Got it. So I bet that checklist is handy, especially like you said, for like partners or other supportive friends and family members who can maybe help to kind of keep an eye on some of those symptoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Dr. Christopher Holloway, can you talk more about the anxiety piece? Sure. And this is why it's so hard sometimes for new moms and new parents, because again, a lot of it seems extremely normal. Like, yes, you're anxious. You have this new baby. Yes, you're standing over the crib and making sure they're breathing, right? Yes, you may be nervous. Am I, you know, breastfeeding correctly? Am I doing the formula correctly? Did I check their diaper? Did I change it? So a lot of times the anxiety that comes with being a new mom that it looks like postpartum could be a lot of increased agitation, a lot of extreme like panic and heart racing, being super alert, constant worry, constant racing thoughts. There may be heart palpitations or feeling like your heart's skipping a beat, may have trouble breathing. And so then you're having like these really extreme moments or these extreme episodes sometimes of anxiety and panic. And so it's beyond like, okay, let me go and check and make sure my baby is breathing. Because if you've had a baby, for instance, that may have been born a little earlier, needed some time in the NICU. I think it's very normal as you're adjusting to make sure they're okay. So this is going beyond that. This is, I'm worrying all the time. I'm not sleeping. I can't control my thoughts. I can't catch my breath. It feels like I'm having a heart attack. I'm constantly sweating. Like those are some of the symptoms that may present when someone is experiencing some postpartum anxiety. So what kinds of things might you do with a client to help them to manage some of this anxiety? Definitely. So one, we identify it. And so one of the things that I do, I'm more of a cognitive behavioral type therapist. And what that basically is, is I help clients to understand how their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions or behaviors are all connected. And so one of the things that I'll do is have them stop and say, okay, this fear or this worry or this concern that I'm having right now, is it rational? Because it may be extremely rational. 
Um, and then I'll have them ask and basically say, okay, is there anything that I can do about it? And if there is something they can do about it, then figuring out like how they need to implement that to do something about it. If it's an irrational fear or an irrational thought, I'll have them say, okay, now what then do I need to do to help myself, so to speak, quiet this fear or quiet this thought? So that may mean I can journal, I got to talk to my partner, I can take a nap because a lot of times it's due to exhaustion and just being completely tired. I can go and hold the baby if I'm concerned that I'm not breastfeeding correctly or my baby is constantly crying, am I starving them? And so then I'll give them facts on breastfeeding and how breastfed babies respond and react and how the mom responds and reacts. So again, I'll use a lot of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy to help them identify their thoughts, to help them understand how it's affecting their feelings and emotions, and then to help them understand how it's affecting their actions or their behaviors. And then basically having them understand, I call it like detective work. And so if you watch a lot of, I was huge on law and order. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, likewise. Right. You know, you get caught up. But, you know, so typically, though, you know, they have to find this preponderance of evidence, right? Like they have to find enough evidence to either convict someone or to take it to trial or press charges, whatever that is. And so if it's not enough evidence, sometimes they can't move forward. They have to drop the charges or reduce the charges. And so I tell my clients, I want you to be a detective. I want you to get a preponderance of evidence that this right here that you're experiencing and thinking is a fact. If you can't find any evidence, then this lets us know that this fear, we can kind of start working through moving forward from, like it's not going to happen. But you may have some evidence because again, maybe your baby did have some trouble in NICU or you had some trouble during birth or you experienced loss before, infertility before, something like that. So then we'll say, okay, how can we help or how can I help you or how can your partner help you as it relates to having more adaptive thinking or thinking that'll be more healthy for you so that you can connect to this baby and you can attach and that you can, you know, be the mom that you were hoping that you would be. So you brought up another thing that I think we should touch on, Dr. Christopher Holloway, um, related to breastfeeding, um, because I do know that oftentimes, like, the relationship that you have as the mom with breastfeeding can bring up a lot. Like, if you're doing it right or if for some reason you can't do it, but you really wanted to, then does that bring up, you know, some feelings of regret or sadness or guilt for you? Can you talk a little bit about how breastfeeding kind of adds another layer to this whole puzzle? Absolutely. So, and then that even goes in with education. So breastfeeding can do one of two things. It can really promote this attachment and help the mom because now she's feeling like I'm doing something right. You know, I'm connecting, I'm feeding my baby. I may be depressed. I may be sad. I may be anxious. I may not know anything else, but I know that I can latch this baby to my breast and nourish it and give it everything that it needs. On the flip side of that, you may have someone who has not been properly educated about breastfeeding. And so when I say that, what I mean by that is maybe they don't understand how their milk comes in, the process of lactation. They think maybe as soon as I give birth, my milk should be flowing and, you know, just running endlessly. And so they're not educated on that. They're not educated on latching the baby or how breastfed babies may feed more often than babies that 
our given formula. And so now it's creating, again, anxiety. It's creating, I'm failing my baby. My baby is starving because it's crying or it's hurting me to breastfeed because maybe they haven't been, you know, shown how to appropriately latch the baby. And so they give up or they decide to, you know, not pursue it or it's too much. And so that can bring on some depression and anxiety because this may be something that they had this expectation of and that they really, really wanted to do and to fulfill. But because now they feel like, it's not working or they're not successful or maybe they are successful. They are just not understanding what it looks like. And so this can also increase because now again, all of these expectations that I may have had when it comes to breastfeeding, my baby is not happening. I'm not nourishing my child. I'm not giving my child what they need. Or sometimes society does this mom shaming and you'll have folks that are just saying, you know, breast is best. You'll have other folks say formula, and then you'll have some people in the middle that may say fed is best. And as long as you're feeding your baby and you're giving it what it needs. So sometimes the mom can get a little discouraged thinking that she's failing this baby or letting this baby down and in turn letting herself down and not meeting all of those expectations that she had set up as it relates to how she wanted to nourish this baby. And so again, I talk with moms about this. I am not a lactation consultant, but I am an advocate. And so I'll talk to moms about that and then also put them in touch with a lactation consultant or knowing what's request if they're having a hospital birth knowing what to request so that they can get the education before leaving. And then also maybe some different Facebook support groups or Instagram followings that they can do that can kind of help educate and keep them motivated as they are trying with their breastfeeding journey. So Dr. Christopher Holloway, you mentioned this whole idea of expectations. And I do think, especially as a first time mom, there are a lot of expectations about like what everything is going to be like. And so I know, I know another thing that you really work with women on in your practice is related to birth traumas and maybe not having the birth outcomes that they wanted. Can you talk a little bit more about that part of your work? Absolutely. So yes, I do deal with or work with women who experience birth trauma. And so one of the things that I always say is trauma is in the eye of the beholder. It is not on me to tell someone that they weren't, you know, what they experienced was not traumatizing. But birth trauma can look like perhaps you were wanting to have a natural vaginal birth, and you now had to be maybe at a hospital or with a doctor or somewhere that didn't understand your birth plan or wasn't aware of your birth plan. Um, it can look like you had been preparing this entire time for a vaginal birth. And because babies do what they do, maybe it flips or it turns or, you know, maybe there's heart rate acceleration or something that's putting you and the baby at risk. And so now you're having this cesarean section that you were not prepared for. It's an emergency cesarean. So, you know, the things that go along with that, maybe, you know, I've, I've watched a video where a doctor was saying, you know, I'm just going to yank this baby out of you. And so that's traumatic because you are at the most vulnerable state. Your legs are up, you know, your hoo is out. <laughs> and it's a lot going on. And so you don't know what to do. So that was very traumatizing for that mom. And so I work with moms and helping them kind of understand that, okay, this may be your birth plan, but these are some things that may come up that we may need to deal with. And sometimes 
I don't get that opportunity to do that because maybe I've gotten a mom who's come in now because of birth trauma. And so it can look like I had the healthy pregnancy. All of a sudden my water broke at 30 weeks and I had no idea they couldn't stop anything. And now I have this two pound baby that I was not prepared for and I'm struggling. I'm afraid and I don't know how to connect to this child. Um, I'm, I don't know what to do. Am I going to be a good mom with maybe a NICU baby? Do I know how to handle them? Are they going to be safe in the car seat? And so I work with moms to kind of help them with that and what that experience may look like. And then, you know, if any post-traumatic stress develops from that, even working through the trauma of this unplanned birth that they weren't expecting. Yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, there's just so much that's out of your control, right? Like you can be planning for whatever it is you think you want the birth to be. And then you just don't know, like you said, because babies do what they do. And it's just kind of all unexpected. Yes, yes. And so for some women, it's not traumatizing. They just say, okay, you know, as long as my baby is here and healthy. And for others, because sometimes of those expectations or prior experiences, like I said, maybe loss or things like that, it can be very traumatizing for them. And it, you know, it just has to be worked through. Right, right. So I know another thing that will often come up, um, and I know that neither of us are psychiatrists, so we're not going to dive too deep into medication stuff, but it does often come up that, you know, clients may need to start medication um, either maybe towards the end of a pregnancy or soon after a pregnancy to help them um, manage some of the symptoms related to like postpartum depression or anxiety. Can you talk a little bit about like maybe some general things clients have kind of commented about after, you know, starting medication or the discomfort of maybe wanting to start medication? Yes, definitely. And so you're right. Sometimes it is needed because maybe the depression or the anxiety or whatever, you know, mood disorder is happening. It may be so intense that it's difficult for us to get far in treatment because how deep it's running. And so sometimes medication is suggested and recommended. And sometimes there may be apprehension because maybe this person has had a completely natural lifestyle or natural birth or is not really into medications and psychotropic medications, as they say, or or mind altering or brain altering rather medicines. And so what I have to do is talk with them about at this point the risk and the benefit to taking it and just reminding them that this may not be something that's long term it's just to help you know help you get through this hump get over this hump sometimes there's apprehension about taking the medication because they are breastfeeding and they don't want it to be transferred to the baby and so there are medications that are acceptable or that are okay when it comes to breastfeeding and of course there are some that are not and so I, I encourage the mom to definitely talk with the psychiatrist as well as their you know if they had an OB or their midwife or nurse practitioner in conjunction with me so that we can figure out maybe the, the best treatment the best medicine and then maybe putting hopefully some type of guide or expectations um, or just a plan in place on maybe how long this may be needed with the understanding that maybe it may need to be needed a little longer or maybe you know as if we start seeing that progress and their coping skills are back to where it needs to be and their support system is there and they're talking and they're attending therapy that it may not be as long but when it comes to situations where if my 
mom does not get on some medication that is going to be harmful to her or the baby or, you know, anyone in the family, then it's kind of almost like, look, the benefits of you getting on right now will greatly outweigh the risk of you not being on. Yeah, and that is often like difficult conversations to have, you know, for for a lot of the reasons that you just named. Right, right. Yeah. So what are some of the other things that you do, Dr. Christopher Holloway, with moms, um, you know, just kind of working through this whole period of, you know, like welcoming a baby, a new baby or, you know, a sibling now into the family to kind of help them to, you know, make sure they're taking care of their mental health? Right. So in addition to educating them on... And so I use the term, you know, normal, because it's very relative to the person. In addition to educating them on their normal and what things look like for them, we talk about putting a support system in place. Sometimes the internet can be great, (laughs) and other times it can be very devastating. So we talk about what that may look like for them. And so their support system may include certain groups or, you know, certain websites. And sometimes it may not. We may have to completely X that. But we talk about how your friends and family can support because sometimes, you know, as new moms, we want to figure it all out. We want to do it all. We say, well, no manual comes and, you know, this is my baby. Let me do this and figure it out. So being able to say, how can you reach out for that support? What are some things that we can put in place so your family knows that maybe you need some support? If they, have access to it, I recommend a doula um, that can kind of be a postpartum doula who can be there um, after birth and helping them and helping around the house and making sure mom is eating. Um, Because unfortunately in, in America, in our country, sometimes we don't get afforded six, eight, you know, 12 plus weeks of maternity leave. And then the father may not get paternity leave. You know, you may not have a mom or a sister or a sibling or someone that can be around to help you. And so sometimes having a doula there to help and make sure that mom is eating, helping hold the baby so mom can take a quick shower or a quick nap is extremely beneficial. And if they don't have access to that, then talking about how can your partners support you? How can friends support you? What are some code words that we can put in place so people will know that you need help? I encourage my clients to give themselves permission, and that permission may look like whatever it is that you need permission for in that moment. So giving yourself permission to grieve maybe the type of birth that you thought you were going to have, or giving yourself permission to breastfeed uncovered without a care in the world, you know, or giving yourself permission to take a nap, giving yourself permission to co-sleep if that's what you do, giving yourself permission to have the type of birth that you want. So if that's a natural birth, that's a home birth, if that's a birth in a birthing center, if that's a hospital birth, if that's a medicated birth, just whatever permission that's needed, because that's very freeing. For a lot of people. And so I try to do a lot of work with that and putting that plan in place. So that way, when it comes to the nitty gritty and baby is here, and it seems like the whole world has been flipped upside down, that they'll have this and they can refer back to it and say, okay, this is what I need. Or I don't have to portray being the strong, got it all together, mom, in this instance, I can say, no, I need help with this, or can you do that? And so if mom is breastfeeding, maybe 
the partner can change the diapers or change the clothing. So that way, you know, they're both having um, this time with this baby and bonding with the baby mom not feeling like everything is on her. So that's some of the stuff that I, I try to do. And again, if they don't have a huge support system and maybe there's not a partner there, maybe they've chosen to be a single parent, just still talking about what that may look like for them. Yeah, those all sounds like some really great tips, you know, for anybody who is in the throes of this process or preparing for this process. Absolutely. Because you don't know really, you know, that I was telling someone the other day that and I, I had all the what to expect when expecting books. I had every last one of them. I even saw one of what to expect when you have a teenager. But at the end of the day, you can read those and have those and it can give you some common knowledge, but nothing's going to prepare you until you are here in the throes of it and dealing with it. Right, right. So what are some of your favorite resources, Dr. Christopher Holloway, some of the things you find yourself recommending to your clients pretty frequently? Yes. So when it comes to just what's going on with, you know, the baby and what's happening, one of the apps, and there's also a book, but I, I, you know, sometimes we don't have time to be reading books. (laughs) One of the apps that I definitely recommended was the Wonder Weeks app or the book. Um, But it basically tells you everything that is going on with baby up until I think, I think it goes up to, it may go up to two years old. I know it goes up to a year old, but it talks about developmental leaps that the baby may be having or that may be approaching. So it'll help you understand, okay, why is baby so fussy or why is this happening? Why isn't this working? And it just worked last week. So I definitely recommend the Wonder Weeks app because I think, I know for me having twins, it just gave me a whole lot of information that I needed and helped me understand like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. (laughs) So I definitely recommend that for moms who are just dealing with these expectations that they had that have now been slapped with reality. There's a great book that I recommend called This Isn't What I Expected. Another one is Life Will Never Be the Same. And it's just basically talking about postpartum and what that looks like and having just a resource for, you know, moms to read and understand, like, I'm not the only one in the world that's experiencing this. And although they know that, sometimes it can feel very isolating. And again, we can get caught up in our mind and in our thoughts and feel like I'm the only one that's dealing with this. Or, you know, why didn't I breastfeed longer? She breastfed. Or why didn't I do this? And why didn't I baby wear? And did I mess them up? And am I attaching? Am I abundant to this baby? Am I a horrible mom? My baby was in the NICU and I wasn't able to be there for the first two, three, five, ten weeks. You know, did I damage my child? And so it just helps with all of that. So those are some of the great resources that I recommend. Perfect. And where can we find you online, your website, as well as any social media handles you'd like to share? Absolutely. So the website, site is www.newvisioncounselingcenter.com. And on Facebook, you can find um, the, the company as well on at New Vision Counseling Center as well. On Facebook, you said? Yes, ma'am. Okay, perfect. And all of that information will be included in the show notes so people can find you easily. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Dr. Christopher Holloway. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And hopefully this has helped some women out.
there and even, you know, partners out there who may be trying to figure out what's going on and help help that new mom in their life. Right. Absolutely. I'm so thankful Dr. Christopher Holloway was able to share her expertise with us today. To check out the resources she shared and to learn more about her practice, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 76. And please make sure to share your takeaways from this episode in your IG stories or on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag TBG in session so that we can find them and share them. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And don't forget to check out the Therapy for Black Girls store to grab yourself a t-shirt or a mug to show your love for the podcast. You can shop at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com slash tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.